0: So Father, thank you for Johnny, thank you for the message that you've given him, and we ask that you come and set it on fire. We pray that as he speaks, it be your words that we hear, and you come and impact every one of us. Thank you that you know us and you love us specifically, and so we ask for your word for each one of us today.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, morning, everybody. Can we have the first slide? Yeah, brilliant. Clicker's still not working. Oh, it is. Wow marvels of modern technology that's brilliant well good morning everybody it's uh great to have a chance to talk to you today and about this about these particular lines in the prayer more than any because they're my favorite and I think really that they sort of act as keys to unlock the whole of the rest of the prayer. Um, You know all the other concepts that come forward can be seen through these prayers and I find that really exciting. Um, So today we're going to try and answer three questions uh, at least start to answer them. Uh, Why did Jesus include Hello, (laughs) Hattie. Why did Jesus include the line, uh, your kingdom come and your will be done? Uh, What might life and the world look like if we prayed it and saw it happen? And how can this line encourage us, perhaps when our prayers aren't being answered in uh, the way that we had expected? I should mention a couple of things before I start. The first one is that this message comes with a bit of a health warning. Praying your kingdom come isn't just passive and is not a safe prayer. It will change your life and it will change the lives of those around you. The second thing to mention is as we dive into looking at this concept of the kingdom of God, we're catching a glimpse of perhaps one of the most transformative ways of reading the Bible and seeing the whole story of the Bible. Um, and as such, there's quite a lot of material on it. Uh, most of the teachers who talk on this topic kind of take four one hour sessions just to kind of cover the basics. So I hope you bought your sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> no, only kidding. But uh, if you. Oh, ah, yeah. Okay, there we go. Um, If you are interested in digging deeper into this, then I really encourage you to read these books, Um, and they're very accessible. We've got Breakthrough by Derek Morphew and Surprised by Hope by Tom Wright, and I've basically stolen a lot of their stuff for today. so. So why did Jesus mention the Kingdom of God? Well, the Kingdom of God is a theme that runs throughout the whole Bible. Exodus, for example, is about God really taking out the gods of the Egyptians, giving them a good whipping, before establishing himself as king over the Israelites in a completely revolutionary way. And part of this was to show the nations around them what it would look like for God to be a very real and practical king over a people. It was really quite upside down to what was going on at the time. When we get to David, God uses a human king to demonstrate what kingdom expansion looks like and what it looks like for the kingdom to be established over and above the sort of uh, broken and rebellious kingdoms that there were around Israel at the time. When they get to Solomon, the kingdom is quite well established and it becomes a demonstration of what the kingdom could be like in terms of our lives. Uh, this, During his reign, there was plenty. There was plenty of everything. There was plenty of crops. The animals reproduced like crazy. Uh, the people reproduced like crazy. And the fame of God spread throughout the world. And people came from all over the world to get wisdom, God's wisdom, through Solomon. And there was this thing called shalom. Now, we sometimes translate shalom as sort of primarily being about peace. And it is about that, but it's about so much more. It's about right relationships between people and God, between people and other people, and between people and the world. We get amazing tastes of this throughout the sort of Bible from that point on, including the Psalms. So I do encourage you to go away and look those up. And as we know from the year of biblical literacy, it all goes a bit wrong after that. And Israel decides that they'd be better off ignoring their king and sharing their allegiance with others. God's protection is withheld, and they're basically carted off to Babylon. But then the prophets get to work, and between them we have this amazing picture of the kingdom of God. And perhaps the most exciting thing is that it includes us. Now, for those of us here who don't have Jewish ancestry, we wouldn't automatically have been included in that original uh, kingdom. But the prophets give us good news. And they give us these pictures. Isaiah 35 is one example. And we, uh, Beth and I, you know, played a video the other day that sort of goes through Isaiah 35, giving us just this amazing picture of transformation, transformation in creation, transformation in our lives. And so, if you ever run out of things to pray for, if you ever don't know what, you know, this world looks so awful, you know, what could it look like, you know, turn to some of these passages. And if you want a sort of more uh, sort of straightforward overview of uh, the prophets and their place in in the kingdom and uh, how Jesus fulfills that, then I do encourage you to look up the Bible project and there's a great video on the kingdom of God there, so just YouTube it. But when Jesus arrives on the scene, he talks more about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which is basically the same thing, than almost any other subject. But he does say some pretty confusing things. He told us to pray for the kingdom to come, as we see in this prayer. But then he also, in other places such as Luke 11 verse 20, he claims that it has already come. So praying for the kingdom to come, but, but he also says it has already come. In other words, the kingdom is now and not yet. He also claimed that the kingdom of God is near and yet far away. In Matthew 10, he's sending out his disciples and he says, And as you go, preach this message. The kingdom, uh, heaven's kingdom realm is accessible. It's close enough to touch. You must continually bring healing to lepers and those who are sick and make it your habit to break off demonic presence from people and raise the dead back to life. And he also said that the kingdom is just about to happen and that it's been delayed. Now, the fact is that when Jesus came to earth and died and rose again, he created a beachhead between the present age and the age to come. And that the enemy's days, and that the days when death rules, are numbered. Now, you guys who are sci-fi fans, Doctor Who, and so forth, you're probably way ahead of the rest of us now, and you've got it. Yeah, okay, something happened in the future that affects what's happening now. You know, that's that's sort of the, the bread and butter of science fiction. But but for the rest of us, you know, I try and give another picture, and it's not a perfect analogy, but it might help. Um, Think, a bit, uh, think about World War II. Uh, when the Allies landed on D-Day, they created a beachhead. And from that moment in the West, and from the defeat by the Russians in Stalingrad in the East, the ultimate victory of the Allied powers was pretty much assured. But there were still many battles to be fought, lives to be lost, setbacks and hardships, but there was liberation, liberation of towns and villages, not to mention releasing of prisoners before that final victory. Uh, another analogy, and you have to excuse me, I'm not, an, uh, you know, I'm not a hardcore football fan, but perhaps you can imagine at the beginning of the season, a, uh, a team does so well in their first match that they have enough points to win the Premiership. they still got loads more games to play, Uh, some of which they will lose. They might lose players. Uh, They'll probably gain a lot of fans, but they'll know that at the end of the season, they're going to win the premiership. Now, we're told that when when we follow Jesus, we become part of his kingdom, that his kingdom is established in our lives, and that we're called to extend his kingdom. That is the purpose of his, of his coming to Earth to establish his kingdom. But as we'll come on to the kingdom, it, the, sorry the world isn't quite there yet. At the last check, creation groans for his coming. Humanity continues to weep, to fight, to hurt one another and the planet. People turn their backs on God and reject his kingdom. As a boy, I always saw the need to brush my teeth as the most obvious and terrible consequence of Adam and Eve eating the fruit. And I really resented them for it. And the wrestling matches I have with my little girl, to get her to brush her teeth, it confirms that, you know, we're still not quite there yet. (laughs) But what might this kingdom be like then? You know, what's the alternative to this pain and suffering? I can imagine the disciples, maybe not if in the moment, a little bit further on, thinking back over Jesus' words and wondering what this picture of the kingdom might be like. They all knew that Old Testament, so I can imagine them picturing amazing descriptions in Isaiah, of the good, in Isaiah and also the good life of Solomon's reign, and using that picture to spur on their prayers. I don't believe that Jesus ever intended or intends us to reduce the gospel simply to being about going to heaven when we die and taking the most number of people with us. Tom Wright says, salvation then is not going to heaven, but, it, but being raised to life in God's new heaven and new earth. But as we put it like this, we realise that the New Testament is full of hints, Indications and downright assertions that this salvation isn't just something to wait for in the long distant future, it's something we can enjoy here and now. So, what might life look like if we prayed this into existence? Let's have a look at the Beatitudes, or as the Passion describes them, the Constitution of the Kingdom. Here are just a few that stand out to me, and you can go away and and read more. But what wealth is offered to you when you feel your spiritual poverty, for there is no charge to enter the realm of heaven's kingdom. How satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. How blessed you are when you make peace, for then you'll be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right, for that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and perhaps persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy since your heavenly reward is great, for you are being rejected the same way the prophets before you were. And finally, your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who could light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it is placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others, so that the commendable things you do will shine upon them, and they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. So, what would it look like for his kingdom to come at the school gate when you're dropping off your kids? What would it look like for his kingdom to come in the office, maybe when there's gossip going on? What would it look like for his kingdom to come in the students' union? Or amongst your customers? What would it look like for his kingdom to come in your families? Or what would it look like for his kingdom to come to our planet facing environmental catastrophes or our society facing division and fear. If the kingdom equals shalom, that's perfect peace, balance, restored relationships, the best we can hope for is to see his kingdom break out as we announce through our prayers, our words and our actions that the kingdom of God is near i us say that again. If the kingdom equals shalom, perfect peace, balance, restored relationships, the best we can hope for is to see his kingdom break out as we announce through our prayers, words and actions that the kingdom of God is near. <coughs> Thinking about the amazing testimony we heard last week, the kingdom began breaking into Lynn's life as she walked into that room, into that church building. And gradually, the values... Healing and nature of the kingdom began to grow, a bit like yeast, in her life. So, we're just going to listen to a quick um, story from my mum, who couldn't be here today, Um, but just another example of God's kingdom moving through us.
0: I was travelling home from Carlisle last summer and was overcome by tiredness after only an hour or so in the car and was compelled to stop. I stocked up with Coca-Cola and was leaving the service station when I noticed someone thumbing a lift. I stopped, he limped and got into the car very carefully. We introduced ourselves, I gave him a can of Coke and we set off down the motorway. I asked him what had happened to his leg and was quite surprised by his reply. He'd had an angioplasty three days before. Not a procedure to be immediately followed by hitching the length of the country from Aberdeen to Plymouth. I largely just listened and acknowledged his story as we travelled, and I'll summarise some of what he shared. Adam worked on an oil rig where he'd had a heart attack. He was flown to Aberdeen by helicopter where he suffered a cardiac arrest. His case was accepted by a visiting expert from the south as the hospital was so busy. Following the angioplasty, this doctor visited him. And I thought, quite weirdly, asked him, whilst he was clinically dead, if he'd had any experiences, like seeing the light at the end of a tunnel. Adam said no, but it was an unusual post-op question. Who was this man? Was he a believer? Next, Adam went to his employer, where his contract was terminated on the spot, with no pay. His phone was taken back off him before he could retrieve any of his personal numbers. So, penniless and phoneless, he started his journey home. The previous day, a lady who never picked people up had given him a lift. It turned out her husband was a lawyer, and following a phone call, he offered to represent him if Adam wanted to take his company to court. Were they Christians? Certainly, it was timely provision. At a service station, he had tried until very late to get a lift. It was raining hard. He gave up and went into the building, as he said, looking like a bedraggled skinhead. He was met by an employee who said homeless could not come in. He did not defend himself, but went in anyway and sat at a table. Next thing he knew, three burly police officers arrested him. When asked why, they told him it was for the... Homophobic abuse, he'd shouted at this man. During this incident, a man sitting quietly in the corner, unnoticed, beckoned the police officer over. He showed him something, and it turned out this witness was a chief inspector of another force. The police officer apologised to Adam, released him, and the man who'd made the false accusations had some questions to answer. Was this chief inspector an angel? He then shared some things from the past, the death of his parents. His dad was terminally ill in a hospice and his mum visited, only to be found by a nurse both hand hand in hand in death. It was thought she'd had a heart attack on finding him dead. The shock and trauma of this had been profound, it had broken his heart. Shortly after, his wife suddenly died and he did not get home in time to say goodbye. She left him to bring up two small children. He turned to alcohol. This time a friend flew over from Russia and rescued him. He slapped Adam in the face, threw the alcohol away and stayed with him until he'd got his life back on track. Who was that man? Through this conversation the Lord had shown me the battle over this man's life but also the huge favour he was showing him in it all. I wondered how this was going to progress. Then he suddenly apologised for smelling bad. I hadn't noticed, but I said I probably did too. He said, no, you smell beautiful. That was when I knew the Lord had given me a way in. I know what this meant, as the Lord had shown me several years before, and I recounted these stories to him. One of my patients had said to me, what is your lovely perfume? I assured her I didn't wear any. She said, I smell it every time you come into the room. I was puzzled, but began to realize it was the aroma of Christ she was smelling. She was a Jehovah's Witness, but it said to me she was one who was being saved. For we to, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one, we are the aroma that brings death. To the other, the aroma that brings life. Shortly after this, the Lord confirmed to me that we really do carry his aroma. Again at work, the doctor had just told this lady that there was nothing else they could do for her mum and they were withdrawing treatment. I know her father had died in the hospital only five days before. She said, ''Tell me this isn't true,'' and I said, ''I can't.'' She buried her head in my shoulder and cried for what seemed ages. Then suddenly she stood stood up straight and said, ''What fabric conditioner do you use?'' I don't, but I knew the Lord had given her comfort, and that the and that was the aroma at that time. From these two stories, Adam seemed to understand what was going on. He readily accepted prayer, still at 70 miles an hour. It probably weren't my best prayers as I was driving, but we covered a lot. His emotionally broken heart, not just the physical broken heart he presented with, was the point of starting. The long and short of it was I was able to drop him off at Birmingham, buy him a train ticket home, give him Arthur's phone number at the Plymouth Vineyard in case he needed more help. It was probably only a couple of hours on a journey, but the Lord gave me the privilege of travelling a little of Adam's journey with him. This is what the kingdom is all about.
1: Actually, let's just quickly pray for Adam now, just um, as we hear that story. Lord, wherever he, Adam is, whatever he's doing, Lord, please bless him and may your kingdom continue to come in his life. May he find you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what is the significance of this crazy paradox that Jesus gives us about the kingdom of God? Well, take my brother, for example. He has what the doctors refer to as a sort of permanent medical condition. But we as a family believe that God doesn't want him to have that and that a body that has been bought by the blood of Jesus shouldn't be sick. We have prayed for him, we've fasted, we've taken him to those with apparent anointing for healing for around 20 years. He hasn't got better and he's experienced other complications as a result of his condition. Now, the devil could get his claws in here, we could start questioning whether we prayed the right prayer in the right way. Uh, we could start uh, wondering whether you know we should have used Waitrose Best Virgin Olive Oil instead of Aldi Vegetable Oil when we anointed him. Or maybe I've got some secret sin in my life. Or maybe he has. Or maybe one of us doesn't have enough faith. Or maybe it just simply isn't God's will to heal him right now. Now... We know that faith seems to be an ingredient to healing, as does turning our backs on sin, following the Holy Spirit's uh, direction for how we pray, and so forth. But the only way to approach this painful and difficult question of why my brother is not being healed, without some sort of shame or kind of false vitriol, is to remember that the kingdom is now, and not yet. And as... Uh, subjects of the kingdom we're now and not yet people in now and not yet bodies we know that one day my brother will have a brand new resurrected perfect body with no ongoing conditions and we believe that he can be healed now but we also know that the kingdom is not yet fully here and it's possible that he might not be healed in this life but does this make us deficient Christians? no Does it make God less powerful? No. Does it mean that we should not bother praying? Definitely not. We must redouble our efforts in the knowledge that we've received a down payment of that power of the future age that is capable of seeing more wonderful things than the disciples saw in Jesus' miracles. Or we can think about Ginny Cryer, who helped start this church. She prayed for hundreds of people, many of whom were healed. She got cancer, and despite the prayers of hundreds of people, she eventually died as a result. But did this knock her confidence in a God that heals? No, definitely not. Was she on fire for Jesus, as on fire for Jesus in those last weeks, as she had been at the height of health? Yeah, she definitely was. just about got time to just have a quick look at this diagram i hope it helps it helps me um this is just to try and get our heads around this whole kingdom is here and it's not yet so this present evil age that we've got here this is where we live now and jesus broke in to this age when he came to earth and died and rose again and these ages are talked a lot about in daniel and jesus refers to them as well and when he came the kingdom of god started it was inaugurated as the theologians like to say but then we get this overlap of the ages and that overlap exists in us i'll come back to that in just a second But I did warn you at the beginning of this, that this prayer is not passive. Tom Wright again, God builds God's kingdom, but God has ordered the world in such a way that his own work within that world would take place not least through one of his creatures in particular, namely the human beings who reflect his image. And following the disaster of rebellion and corruption, he has built into the gospel message the fact that through the work of Jesus and the power of the Spirit, he equips humans to help in the work of getting the project back on track. (laughs) That's us. Remember Matthew 10 and that list of awesome things we're called to do? Remember my mum with a hitchhiker? Remember the early church, modelling the kingdom abundance that we saw under Solomon where in the way they shared their things with each other, this is all part of it. Uh, just go back to can we go back to the diagram? Yeah, brilliant. So, finally, we're spiritual warfare looking for a place to happen, as Derek Morphew says. We're this place here. I don't know how many of you have seen a new Star Wars film, um, but for those of you who haven't or aren't into Star Wars, just bear with me. Um, you've got the main heroine, Rey, and she is the last Jedi. She's the last sort of uh, personification of the embodiment of all the good and amazing powers. And as a result, the enemy, all the enemy, are totally focused on her. And that is a bit what happens with us. Sickness, attack, persecution will come our way if we choose to identify with the kingdom of light. It's going to happen. But we don't need to fear because when we gave our lives to Jesus, we experienced that power of the future age, of the kingdom age. And we were saved. And we continue to be saved day by day as we follow him. As Lynn shared in her testimony last week, the hard work started when she gave her life to Jesus, but she also talked about kicking evil in the head as a warrior, and that is what the armies of the kingdom love to do. And this really helps us understand the specific references to prayer uh, later in in the Lord's prayer. So to conclude, I think Jesus includes this call Uh, On us to pray for the kingdom to come. He wants us to pray for it. He wants us to be part of it. And to see that increasing in breaking of his kingdom in the world. This is a concept that goes the whole way through the Bible and is really key to understanding who we are in Christ. The kingdom he speaks of, well, it's one of healing, it's of life, and it's of right relationships. But it is a kingdom that, whilst it has come in Jesus, is still being worked out in the world. And as such, we should pray for more of his kingdom to come in our lives, in our relationships with others, between us and other people, and in the broken world around us. So, as I sort of draw to a close, it'd be really good if we could just spend a couple of minutes, two minutes perhaps, just in quiet allowing the Holy Spirit to bring to mind some situations in your life, in your family, or in your community, or indeed the wider world, that need God's kingdom to come. And this isn't to make you feel uncomfortable. Um, I hope uh, it won't. It's nothing magic's going on here. We're We're just giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to bring those things to mind. And then Joe will take over after that and there'll be an opportunity to um, get further prayer for those things. But if we can just close our eyes and I'll just pray and then uh, Joe will close that time. Come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. You've been so tangible this morning through the worship, and Lord, we ask that you would start to work in our lives now, that you would bring forward to the forefront of our minds things that are on your heart, things that need your kingdom touch, that need an expansion of your kingdom to see change and transformation. So please speak to us now as we pray.
0: Thank you so much, Johnny.